1: wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't.
2: Help me. Help. Help. Good morning. Good morning. Professor Ward Scott here with Ted Yoho. Uh, Ted's at his place, and I'm in the Manly Warthog Man Cave. And we're both in the piney woods of north central Florida, so to speak. Glad to be here. And uh, he's over there nearer the river than I, but uh, we're all up here in God's country. Now, sure. we're also in Melon Law Studio, the only official law firm partner, the University of Florida Fighting Gators, and we're protected by Crime Prevention twenty four seven, three sixty five, 365 Allstate, Julia Casio, full service um, uh, insurance company. Uh, a lot of other people here uh, protecting and and sponsoring us and contributing to us and listening to us and sharing us. So- We're on about 37 different platforms, running 24-7, 365. So a lot of people listen at different times. And so hello to you if you're going to be listening today at 5 o'clock. You know, we're actually live right now. But I have people contact me when, hey, I'm watching right now. They do it. That's the way you can do it. All over the place, all over the world, really. Podcasting is much more available to people than is the radio. Uh, The radio is limited by FCC regulation, podcasting. We are out there, and meet, we like to believe that we are really bringing you the old-time voice of America. As a kid, I don't know Ted about you, but I used to listen to the Voice of America. Yeah, and, um, it was really something to hear. And so I think we, in this world we're in, sort of we're keeping that torch lit. Um, I got Ted with me on Wednesday. He's a great, great asset. And I got to tell well, you I- that we knew, thanks to Ted inside baseball about the speaker before we really could let on. And later on during the day, the word that Ted got, and it was his favorite pickup, I recall, became the speaker. So, Ted, I sent you a couple of articles we were talking about before we yeah. went live here. By the way, I'm having my cup of the of Caliber Company CaliberCoffee.com and say Ward 15, you get 15% off. Uh, Ted, school us up a few, I'm going to sit back and listen about the new speaker essentially a couple of articles which were diametrically opposed
0: they sure were
2: one is a hip job uh, taking him down so to speak because he's a Christian and I, you know, here's what I think about the man, and I've only seen him mostly visually Ted he's well he presents well he is a polite person He's a thoughtful person. He's not a boisterous uh, guy. He is a student, so to speak. If I had him in class, I would quietly pick him out to be one of the A students, at least one of the B plus students. So, let me hear what you think about him. You know him a lot better than I do.
0: I do, I, and um, it's been an honor to work with him. But I want to, I want to go back to something you said in the very beginning about podcasts and how. How um, you don't have to worry too much about being censored as much as you did on the other platforms, and it's one of the true forms of getting information out there. And it really is the true form of the First Amendment: freedom of speech, freedom of thought. You know, and you can't do that in a lot of countries. And so, um, I appreciate you being on there and going through the fights you have to stay on there. Going back to Mike Johnson, Mike came in. I think it was a Congress after me. I was in the 113, so I think he came in in 114 which would make sense because he's in this fourth Congress now. And um, uh, Mike, he was one of those guys, He's very reserved, very quiet, but he was engaging in the different arguments. And, you know, I had multiple conversations with him over the years, and he had rose up and uh, he wanted to run for the chairman of the Republican Study Committee which is the largest gathering of Republicans in a single group. And it's supposed to be a conservative um, meeting. Um, uh, And Mike became the chairman of that. And on that, we were tasked with doing things for education reform, healthcare reform, budget. Um, Budget was the big one. And Mike was in there. He was conducting the meetings. He worked with that. And he, he appointed people to different tasks, you know, if you want to be the chairman of the budget committee. You know, and um, I was on those. I didn't want to be the chairman. I didn't want to be involved in that. And, um, you know, Mike ran the Republican Study Committee, very professional, um, just very timely. And he had a lot of respect in that. And he's done the same thing on judiciary. And he was on the January 6th. Unfortunately, he had to serve with uh, Liz Cheney. And thank God she exposed her colors, because if not, she would be the Speaker of the House right now. Wow. that is scary. And so Mike was one of those guys. He just um, he just did what he, would, he needed to do. He did it very effectively. And I think if people go back and listen to tapes from January 6th, the hearings on that, or if you go to the judiciary committees now and listen to his arguments, even when it's times that could be contentious, he's very level-headed. He's very thoughtful, and he gets his point across. And uh, I, I think they couldn't have picked a better person. Uh, he was my second choice. Kevin Hearn was my first. Uh, but if I found out some other things that he didn't have the uh, the procedural experience that Mike has. And uh, you brought up, you sent me those two articles. And I thought it was interesting because they were diametrically opposed. One was just bashing him for being um, a conservative, a Christian. And he lives, uh, the Bible is his, uh, is his uh, guiding principles. And they're bashing him for that. And I think of somebody else they did that too. you know, the liberal press back in its days, that was Jesus Christ. You know, there, we didn't have a Christian church at that time, but he was, you know, in the process of that. And they bashed him and, um, you know, crucified him. And they're going to try to do the same thing to Mike. And I'm not saying Mike is like Jesus Christ at all. But when people come out and speak and they're truthful and they stick to principles, the thing the left doesn't like is principles. You know, they'll tell you that oh, they're they're pro-life and they're pro-family and all this, but all their policies say the opposite of that. They say they're for uh, immigration control, but yet their policies are opposite of that. And so they don't really have a standard to follow. They say what you want to hear and then do something different. Whereas somebody like Mike Johnson scares them because he's very principled, he's very grounded in the proper uh, um, values and principles this country is founded on. And I think, you know, number one, he's got unanimous support in the Republican House. That right there tells you what kind of a person he is to have unanimous support. And I think you're going to see him uh, just surprise people on what he can put together. And I look forward to them coming together and dealing with this. And, uh, you know, he's reached across the aisle said I'm willing to work with you, Hakeem Jeffries and any Democrat. If we put the nation first and that's exactly what we need right now, a leader that will say, this is not about Republicans. This is not about Democrats. This is about our nation. And it's time to save it.
2: And I think he has I have the impression he has manners. Am I right?
0: Oh, I mean, great manners. Uh, He's well more. Well, he's a lot more refined than I was. Uh, You know, I was a little coarse when I went up there. He came in very refined. Uh, he's a Southern gentleman, just uh, very respectful people he speaks to, um, speaks about. I've never heard him say a crossword up there. And, you know, not even, um, you know, when things were contentious, he was always the one in the crowd that was level-headed speaking out. And, again, I give him a lot of respect for that. The reason
2: I bring up Manners is because Manners was the hallmark of the South. Yeah, yeah. And I got to tell you, yesterday – And it went went across racial lines, okay? Mm -hmm. The blacks would say, yes, ma'am, no, sir. And the whites would say, yes, ma'am, no, sir, to each other and across the race lines as well. Sure. That kept everything civilized. And it was based upon Christian faith, uh, such a thing as a Christian gentleman. And that, in one article I sent you, was completely poo-pooed by the writer who was obviously a secular person. Yeah. Where secularity takes you is to the state replacing the church. Right. And you travel the world. You see it in China. You see it now in Venezuela. You certainly see it in uh, Cuba or Cuba, as Kennedy used to call it.
1: Yeah.
2: And – it's obviously a spiritual void that cannot be filled by the ideologues. Spirituality and respect for your fellow man is the core Christian principle when it's performed. Now, you know, we're talking about people living up to it. You have all kinds of people who try and don't and all that. We understand that. But when you find a real one, now, let me tell you, I'm a little older than you. I hate to admit that.
1: Yeah, I tell
2: you. But I go back to to the days, Sam Irwin, you know, guys like that. He quoted the Bible constantly. And he was a a consummate gentleman. He was very sharp. Everyone respected him. And both sides of the aisle had people like that. Now, I don't see that on the Democrat side of the aisle. Correct me. You probably got him.
0: But I don't see them. I'm trying to, I'm searching my memory banks to see what I hear. There's a few up there. David Scott out of Georgia. Um, he was, he, he, every time I got on a plane, he was reading the Bible and he would quote scriptures in the Ag Committee and he was a ranking member on the Ag Committee. So there are a few, but they're the older generation. I don't see any in the younger generation. You know, you brought up a very good point because I don't see any of that. I see it on our side, on the Republican side. Um, Saying it and doing it are two different things, as you know. You know, there's a lot of charlatans. And, um, you know, but I think, you know, when the house is burning and falling down around you, you don't have many options but to get on your knees and humble yourself. And I think that's what our nation needs to do at this point in time. You know, we can all do it in our own special way. Um, and, And just get back to the basics and ask for some guidance and, and help here because we're sinking and we need, number one, we need a, a leader that realizes that. And I think Mike does. You know, the Democrats, if you look at the the, the budget deficit, it's going to be $1.7 trillion. And they're looking to borrow, it's almost 800, $800 billion they're going to have to borrow sometime in 2024. And with the interest rates up, uh, with our credit, Knock down one uh, from an A plus to an A. You're going to have other countries like mm, I think we're going to wait this one out and see what happens. And uh, you know um, I think it's time now that we focus on those things and just say, God help us, guide guide us out of this mess. Of course, the principles are already there. We just need to follow them in a year or two.
2: Well, you know I think the thing he did I want like your comment on also is he's separating Ukraine from. Israel.
0: I think that's a smart thing.
2: You better believe. And here's the deal. Those who are trying to lump them together have no idea of what they're talking about. You know, they're vastly different. One of the rhetorical strategies we start off with in the profession I was in was how to structure arguments. And one of the strategies is comparison. And you check, everybody can write a comparison paper because we all do it. We compare the apples that one grocery store to the apples at another, so we take that basic thing we do every day and expand it. And mm-hmm. the person who wrote the comparison paper comparing Ukraine to Israel flunked. I can tell you that right now. That would be a That's premise. A good
0: that point, would, there, professor. Thanks for pointing that, would that out.
2: Would not hold up. Okay, we don't have enough people using a red pen up there, man. <laughs> That's my, that's my, uh, my take on the Ukraine. Now, if they want to talk about Ukraine for its set of reasons, um, that's one thing. But, you know, that's a trick. You see, that's a trick. It's a fallacy. It's a, it's a, it's a very fundamental fallacy yep. to try to strong arm one by using the other when they don't fit. You know, if you compare it to grocery stores, you get an apple over here at grocery store A, you get an apple B. Well, Somebody's trying to convince you that the apple at B came from the same orchard that the apple at A did. Right. And it didn't, you know, at all. So, anyway, that's my spiel. I'm off my soapbox. Go ahead.
0: Okay. Enough of the apple stuff. All right. Uh, no, no, that was good. No, it's a good analogy. And that's those two articles, you know, you uh, do you put a link of those on your website?
2: I have not put them up there. Uh,
0: I think it's a good thing because it just shows the dichotomy of how split they are. You know, one person's opinion and they're entitled to that versus the truth. Um, You know, and and we're seeing this with the Trump case right now with all these things and the gag orders. I read uh, a pretty extensive article on that. And the judge that uh, the one that was from Michigan, she's a professor at the Michigan Law School now. um, She was saying that, well, we don't know what he's going to say. So we want to put a gag order on. And it's like, I believe that's unconstitutional. So I don't know what uh Ward's going to do for the rest of the week. So we're going to put him in house arrest and put an ankle bracelet just so we know where he is when he does screw up. And I'm thinking that guy's getting charged and, and uh, a potential guilty charge before they've even tried him. And I just think it's, Our country is way off base on following the rule of law. And, you know, the more this goes on, the harder core I am as a Trump supporter. And because he's going to have so much ammunition when he goes in there to right the ship. I just hope that he can humble himself and realize what he has that is in his hands. And it's not a personal vendetta. But it's a way for him to write America so that we get back to the basic principles and get on with creating America in the image that it was started. I mean, it, it, there are always going to be people like Biden and Obama, and there'll be bad politicians. But every now and then there comes a season where somebody has to be that strong force. And I think, um, I think Trump is that. He's proved that before. But I think if he gets back in there, and I hope he does, that he will have learned a lot and just focus on what America needs to heal itself.
2: You know, talking about cheap shots, I have to, this came to mind while you were talking. Uh, The liberals jumping on DeSantis for elevator boots. Come on, my God, man. I, I can't believe it. Can you believe it?
0: Carolyn told me that yesterday, and I'm like, you know, if that's all they got to pick on them, go after it, man. If that's it, <laughs> uh, I mean, cheap shots, that is. That's just real cheap shots. Uh, you know, and it goes back to basic principles. And this comes out of Dale Carnegie. If if you have to tear somebody down to build yourself up, you've got a low self-esteem and you have nothing to stand on. You know, so maybe they ought to get some elevator uh, lifts in their whatever they wear in their um, – uh, I don't want to offend anybody, but they're Birkenstocks or whatever.
2: Well, you know, um, I never noticed he wore boots before. I could care less.
0: No, he's worn you. boots ever since i known him. I mean, all the way through Congress, if, even when we were uh, campaigning. Really? Yeah, Rick Scott wears cowboy boots all oh up. No,
2: Rick does. Yeah.
0: I've never seen him without him. So, Ron's same yeah. hey, I've never seen him without him.
2: Yeah. Well, you get them, by golly, and they last a while. I'll tell you that right now. Um, yeah. 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 I've had several pairs and I noticed that uh, um, uh, the governor's got a pretty fancy pair on there. So, Yeah. I, had, I, had more I power used to more.
1: wear them
0: all the time, but I got up there, and I don't know if it's just my age or my weight or whatever. <laughs> up there. I got to where I can't wear my boots anymore. I'm wearing I'm – wearing, uh, You're wearing slip-
2: Birkenstocks. Come on, be honest. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's what it is. I'm yeah. wearing the flip-on sneakers, <laughs> so I don't have oh, the time. Boy.
2: Don with Ted Yoho, you got something I want to I talk about. Good.
1: That's Looking right. at
2: the chat line here, um, I have a comment here. How can Democrats be elated that Trump is charged with 91 felony counts? Um, he's got a long comment. Let me see what he's saying. Um, as you know, most of them are the same charge, different item or nonsense charges already reviewed and disproven by Mueller and Durham. Yet Biden is blatant criminality is never acknowledged well ray we're talking about double standard right Ted?
0: that's the double standard that we see over and over again and if people uh i was reading an article about a billionaire he's a hedge fund guy forget his last name but he said that trump needs to go away he should be arrested and not be president and he says he normally supports republicans but in the last election he couldn't vote for Trump, so he voted for Biden. So what he actually did is he helped Biden get in there. And, you know, now we've got the mess we have. And now the next election, he says he's just not going to vote if it's Biden or Trump. So, I mean, you talk about just a, a sour attitude. You, you better look at the two choices you have. And you, if you don't like either one of them, you got one's got to be better for the nation than the other. And I would hope people would come together. I saw people last time said, I don't like either one of them. I'm not voting. Well, then you, you get, you, you, you have just lost your ability or your right to complain about stuff if you did not participate. And, um, um, but that double standard is out there. Yeah, it sure is.
2: Well, you know, I don't think that uh, Trump would miss, I don't know if mistreats the right word, but I'll be overly aggressive and trying to get his point across with the speaker we have now. My point is the speaker is so polite in his demeanor that I think his interaction with Trump would change Trump and be helpful to Trump.
0: I think it would be. Trump I think probably. it really would be because he's, he's kind of that calming force and Trump would have to decide I'm going I'm to moderate uh, and let's focus on what's, what's at hand here. There's so many things going on. Number one is our debt. I mean, we're at a critical level now. And with this next round of money that they have to borrow, I understand that's going to be at the higher interest rates. From where it was before, a half a percent or a percent, now it's going to be over five percent. And just servicing our debt, meaning paying the interest on our debt, it's unsustainable. It's more than we're spending on the military. And then you look at what we're doing with um, funding Ukraine, which, again, that's a pet peeve of mine. I think we should support Ukraine, but I think it should be through the NATO. That's what it was yeah. set up. And sure. I think we should attach other countries in the same thing and encourage those countries that this is an ex- existential threat, meaning that Russia is marching and they're not going to stop with Ukraine. Um, you look what they did with Georgia. George Bush stopped them. Um, 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 Obama was in there when they went into Ukraine. And then Trump was there. Everybody laid low. Now look at what Biden you've got the war escalating in Ukraine, then you've got the Hamas attack uh, on the Israelis, and I'm just waiting for another conflict in the Western Hemisphere to show up, or China move on Taiwan, and then we're going to be in World War III. And this is where it's so critical that we focus on these things, and I hope that, if it is President Trump, and I, I pray it is, that we focus on these things that we really need to, and then uh, I'm sure you've read the reports on the uh, on the border. Uh, I think it was six thousand or sixteen thousand Chinese uh, nationals that they've caught at the at the southern border. I mean, this is unprecedented. and um, these things are only going to continue to get worse under um, this failed administration or this. I, I don't want to say they're failed because I think they're doing exactly what they want to do. They want to dilute America's white angle population so that we're not. 51% of the population that were more of a minority, uh, a minority stake, and then they think everybody's going to coexist. Coexistence does not work. Um, you know, that's why in the animal kingdom, and we're, we're animals, in the animal kingdoms, the bears stick to themselves, the wolf sticks to themselves, the birds stick to themselves, the blackbirds are over here, the mockingbirds are over here. They know the order of what they're supposed to do. And these people that think, oh, let's put everybody together. Um, It's just not going to work. And if you've ever been to a dog park where you've got uh, big dogs and little dogs and they're intact, (laughs) it doesn't work. Especially for the little dog.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's uh, very obvious to people, particularly we're talking now country talk. Some of these people that have all these ideas in universities are city folk. I mean, seriously. I mean, Ted, I think I told you about the fresh air kids. Did I not tell you that story about the fresh air kids? Yeah. They'd come down out of Chicago to work on the farms. When they came down there, they'd have their sleeves rolled up, the cigarettes rolled up in their sleeve. You know how I like to do? Oh, by golly, if you're so tough, buddy, get out here and help and scoop this corn. And, you know, that damn corn in that scoop is a heavy, heavy scoop, brother.
0: I mean, drop the tobacco or start chucking the watermelon.
2: The thing I hated the most was hoeing beans. God, I hated hoeing beans. I mean, there was no shade, and the, the roads stretched on and on. Uh, yeah, and it was always a job that went to the youngest male. Yeah, I mean, it was real uh, uh, a real gauntlet out there that you have to go through to become a. And we had words for it. And you know this when you were at the um, adolescent, about to become the man. You were a buck, but before That's that, right. you were a nub. You were a That's nub, right. then you were a buck. Yeah, and the city folk don't know what a nub is, you know.
0: That's right, nubbing. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and you know, you never can go back. But I think there's lessons you can learn from the past that they're, they're relevant. I mean, those again, those are the basics. That's like when I told the story about playing football, and the football coach held up the football and said, "Boys, this is a football." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, I know it, you know." But he's starting at the basics. Uh, John Wooden, uh, the um, the winning basketball coach for decades would teach people how to put on their socks properly. And then he would teach them how to put their sneakers and tie them properly. And it was the basics because if you had a lump in your sock, it would throw your stamp, your, your gait off. If you didn't tie your shoe right, it would come untie and you would trip. And so the basics is what we should adhere to. And that goes back to being a nub. You can't be a buck unless you're
1: a nub.
2: That's right. You got to be a nub first. You know, <laughs> oh, boy, that was my grandfather's first nickname for me, Nub. Hey, uh, Nub. No. Hey, Nub, no, yeah. you know, and yeah. um, it, was, it was really, well, it was delightful because the older men trained you to be a man, you know, trained you to be. I mean, that's what's missing. We know that. We know it's missing. In the well, now,
0: you know, you brought that up multiple times. You know, you have community. You had a community. You had a, a city or township. Then you had, you know, your county within, these were within the county, but people knew each other and they could keep people in check. And um, I think uh, the way societies grow now and the size of these cities and these mega cities, you lose that. And I think it needs to be pared down. And, you know, I'm not for government mandates, but I just think it needs to be more, people need to be more involved. And of course, I don't know how they can. When you and I grew up, one parent worked, it was usually the father, and he supplied the income for a whole house. We had six kids in our house, and they were, I mean, they were big guys, and they ate a lot. And so one person supplied all that. And uh, my mom was a saint. She took care of the household. My dad took care of the income. But today, people are so busy just trying to pay the bills. You've got both parents working, juggling kids. And again, this goes back to debt. And what our country is doing, we bought a, a small refrigerator for our cabin, and it's about five feet high, six feet high for, for the basement. You know, we got a game room down there. Three, two, two and a half years ago, we paid $300. That very same refrigerator is $600 today. You can't tell me everything's gone up that much, but yet they had to raise it, the, the prices, because they're paying employees or doing this. They've got all that theft going on. The price of diesel... This has got to stop. We cannot go on this way because you got two couples working. They can't work anymore and take care of their kids. And so we do have a decline in the nation. And, and again, it goes back to the leadership in Washington. You know, let's get these things under control. That makes America strong.
2: I've never had anybody explain so I can understand it. Bidenomics. Uh, I, I, I'm,
0: I don't He know. doesn't have a clue what that is. He, just he doesn't says, have
2: a clue. I know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, he says, "Well, it sounds good. I know it's got to be working." No, it's not working, and and you're going to find out that the numbers—and you probably already know this—the numbers are skewed on what they're saying the uh, the the uh, uh, gross domestic uh, product was. You know, they're saying, "Oh, it's great." So look at how great we're doing. And look at the wages. The wages are up. Yeah, the wages are up, but look at the cost of living up beyond what wages are up. And so it, again, it's a false economy, and those things tend to collapse over time and um, the the unfortunate thing is the devastation and the damage um, is done. Uh, I had a guy tell me the other day that he he went into a pawn shop, or he's talking to a pawn shop owner, and the guy told him, he says bad things are getting ready to happen because people are coming in here not buying stuff, but they're pawning stuff at a higher rate than he's ever seen. Another indicator is the the amount of delinquent car loans where people are paying late. Oh yeah.
2: Car loans. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: all time high. So these are warnings that are kind of under the radar for a lot of people, but more
2: months than ever
0: before. Huh?
2: The loan is for more months than ever before.
0: Right. Yeah. And then we're seeing that in the real estate prices are dropping. Uh, the commercial real estate, we know that's a bubble getting ready to, to pop. And, uh, so all these indicators, you know, this is a little off topic of what we were just talking about, but I'm sure you've read the stuff about the electric vehicles, how the oh, yeah. demand dose has dropped precipitously because people are having a wake up call like, uh, these things don't fit into my lifestyle and they don't perform as well as they said they do. And so they're moving away from that. And of course, you've seen Tesla stocks drop quite a bit here in the last two, probably two months and um you know the president of toyota um uh, had come out several months six months to a year ago saying the ev revolution is the wrong way to go of course they have a hydrogen engine and uh now he's vindicated because people are starting to see this decline in fact ford and gm i think uh cut their plans to put all this money into the evs and uh Again, this goes back to national leadership, um, you know, with the Biden administration. And uh, if you want, well, to I'm, later I'm, I'm looking, at the- article,
2: looking at an article right now from yesterday, Ted, by Alicia Finley. Brace for the wind and electric vehicle bailouts. Right, you know, right. Only did we subsidize this pipe room and it flunked. But now that it's flunked, we got to pay for the flunk
0: washington's great at that remember the the tarp bailout um where the cash for clunkers and all that stuff you know back in uh, i think it was 06 07 08 area uh when we we're bailing out all these people you know uh, gm and all these things um people were paying cash for clunkers so trade in your older car so you can buy a new car so that we can support the auto industry and the uh and the union workers who now have turned around and pretty much are, um, holding us hostage. They said the price of a new car will be about $900 more because of this union deal that the union ha- has gone on and held these companies at bay and- as hostages. And so, yeah. Um, well, we'll is, up up, the bottom
2: of our out, Ted. We're going to take a break here. Sure. And, um, I just realized I've got to run my uh, wife down. She made off of my uh, computer that has the weather on it. Oh, boy. So, <laughs> Zach, you may have to give me another minute or two until I find <laughs> it with that, uh, in, uh, that computer that got all the weather on it. But, uh, we're, you know, basically, I can ad lib because I know what's going to happen tomorrow. It's going to get cold.
1: It's going to get cold.
2: Have, it may have our first little far in a far place. Talking with Ted Young, though, I'm looking at the chat line if you want to chat with us about anything. And it's a spirited conversation. We're both uh, hyped up about you as an audience and uh, production and the whole thing we're able to do here. And we believe in the podcasting. We believe this is sort of the note in the bottle, if you will, that is going to get off the island out somewhere. And you you help get it along the way. Uh, You're the current, you people, you students are the current, uh, keep shipping it along. So got a call yesterday at five o'clock from a listener frustrated. Because my good production buddy had forgot to click a box, I'll tell on him, and put the uh, uh, post up on your com- <laughs> Here's that computer. Thank you, man. And, uh,
0: and man, put- all you I- have to do is ask and things show up for you. That's
2: right. Yep, that's right. But anyway, I, I emphasized to production that uh, this guy was listening at 5 o'clock in the day. You know, he was ready and it wasn't there. So thank you for listening all oh, hours of the night even. And uh, I'll work on this that now that I delivered, hand delivered to uh, the I'll weather on the, uh, the committee. All you office. have
0: to do is ask for something, and it shows up.
2: That's it. That's it. All right, Zach. Let's break for the weather. We're we'll right back on Ward Scott files.
0: demand and in crisis as a first responder for 18 florida counties and the southeast from texas to virginia we are proud of this rare accomplishment lewis oil delivers
2: thursday november the 16th come celebrate the release of our spurgers gridiron grill lugo's risky rum this exclusive release features a special spread of our farm-to-table food rum cocktails raffles and a meet and greet with me each ticket includes a bottle of Spurrier's single barrel select risky run and I'll sign the bottle if you'd like so get your ticket before they sell out at Spurrier's.com this is Ward Scott and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills the Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are crime prevention security systems large enough to serve you small enough to care Melvin Law the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Award Scott Files Gold Sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On-the-Spot Dry Cleaners, r and Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscotfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner
1: I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, do Help me. Help. Help. All right, we're back, by golly. We got the weather handy, and I got a hot cup
2: of coffee, so I'm ready to go. Yeah, Calder Company, uh... Coffee, how does it go? CaliberCompanyCoffee.com, fifteen percent, and you'll get fifteen. Use awards got fifteen and you get fifteen percent off. Well, well, well. Fifty-five degrees, by golly, my computer's telling me.
0: Holy mackerel.
2: Holy mackerel. And going up only to sixty-eight. Holy mackerel. (laughs) And going down to thirty-nine tonight. So uh, check the flu, make sure you got the thing open before you start a fire. You might want to get one going tonight. It's going to be a little cozy. So, and we're going to come back and get warm again. So, we'll take it. We'll take what we can get. I like a little change in the weather. Ted looked out a minute ago. Actually, my wife looked out, and uh, we have a dog compound. We no longer have a dog. All the dogs we have a dog cemetery. But uh, yeah. and uh, you know, my good buddy Mark Coleman, whom you know, oh uh, yeah, actually came out and put one of my big dogs down one time. And uh was wonderful great. man, wonderful man. And uh um so we got a, a big dog compound, big dog house, looked out and there was a buck and two does out there sleeping the day in the dog compound. <laughs>
0: oh, is that right? Sleeping. Yeah,
2: yeah, they took it over.
0: <laughs> boy, they, they feel safe on uh Lord Scott farm.
2: They Lord, felt Lord safe in there, boy. God. You know, it's yeah. all fenced off and they can get in there and uh how do they know, you know? I'll be darned. We're watching from Mexico, Tim Martin. Huh? What's that, Ted?
0: That's kind of like a, a thermos. You know, you can put hot liquid in there and it stays hot, and then you put cold liquid in and it stays cold. How does it know to do those things?
2: Yeah, how does it know? Wow! Can't hear you. So it's going to be thirty-four degrees in Atlanta. Good morning, Tim Martin. Well, if you got a question, Tim, send it our way. Uh, we are talking to Ted in a spirited conversation today about how frustrated we are that there are no manners left in the world anymore. You know. And otherwise, the other thing we talked about, Ted, was community. I had an old countryman tell me one time that when we got the motor car, it made it possible to travel in a day quite a distance away from your community. And that increased crime. And I said, well, how'd that happen? He said, because when you have a community and people can't travel very far in one day, see, the community is tighter. If you lose that, there's no way to shame men. When you lose community, there's no way to shame men. Sure. And so now I don't know if we got much community um, and we need it back. And that's the whole concept of representation, by the way. I think you guys come from a particular district and you represent those people. Um, you know, I'll, show, I'll get off my soapbox now.
0: But uh, I mean, yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah. So
2: community is it's hard to, I don't know if we can put that genie back in the bottle. Um, and my good Southern buddy Ken Harry says, Don't get me started on manners or lack of them. Um, okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, you
2: know, I'm Yeah. Let me to yeah. uh, say one thing the other day workmen come and go here, you know? And the reason I let the ones come back that come that have manners is I trust them. Uh, They'll say yes, ma'am. No, sir. And at least I think they're making a good argument for themselves. Now I know they could be saying it. When I was in New York City, I ran, I sat. I rode a bus years ago. I sat down next to a a lady who had a Southern accent, and she had heard the Southern accent in my voice. So uh, we we sat with each other around Forty Second Street, right in the middle of all the big New York City stuff. And she was the only one who had talked to me on the bus. Really? And I said, well, why didn't the others talk to me? She was an opera singer in New York. That's where she was. She said, they think you're only being polite to get their money. (laughs) Isn't that something?
1: You know, I was up at a hunting
0: camp up there in uh, Canada, and um, a lady, you know, she. it was a, a lodge type of thing. and She would serve breakfast every day, and,
1: you
0: know, they had several waitresses. We had this one that come to, came to our table all the time. She'd pour the coffee. I said, thank you, ma'am. And uh, what do you want for breakfast? She'd tell her. She, she'd bring it. she put it in front of me. Thank you, ma'am. Well, this went on for about three days, and she put down the food, and I said, thank you, ma'am. And she hit the table. She goes, I'm not your damn ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Or people I were with, they just busted out laughing and they're ribbing me. I said, I'm sorry, ma'am. I said, where I come from, that's just a sign of politeness and respect. And and she lightened up and she started smiling. And then she go, she poured my coffee. And I said, Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> and she just looked at me. Well, said, oh,
2: it's, it's the same thing they object to now. I used to have a colleague that's office across from mine.
0: He was affected
2: tremendously. He was the history and the professor of religion as well, religion mm-hmm. and history. And he was from Georgia. And I had him come to my class one time and talk about what it you know, was like to be, you know, this Christian gentleman we're talking about. And he said, well, I was taught when a lady, entered the, a lady woman, entered the room, We were to hit our feet. Right. We stood up. We hit, and the term he used was hit our feet. The funniest thing about him is um, when I first moved into the office across from his office, I couldn't see in his office, because, but I could hear it. Yeah. And I would hear this pounding on the desk. I thought, what's wrong with Brother Tolson? I used to call him Brother Tolson. He was a reverend, but he was also a biblical scholar. Uh-huh. And so I went over there and he had made a stamp and it had read ink and he was, was grading his tests and he hit the, the answer was told you to know, told <laughs> you to know. And uh, I said, golly, Brother Tolson, you mean you told him it was going to be on the test and they didn't <laughs> study for it? And what those kids found out about him? They thought they'd take a crypt class because it was on the Bible or Old Testament, New Testament stuff. They didn't know they were bumping into an honest to God theological scholar. Yeah, and, and listen, you start going down that road, you know, we're not talking about the pulpit. We're talking about all this stuff that is going on in the Middle East, all the way back to its derivatives, all the way back to its storytelling, you know, that was the, that, I always regretted, uh, Ted, that I didn't take his class, that I didn't sit in on his class. That every sounds one, like
0: a good one to be in on.
2: Uh, every once in would be I'd be teaching Shakespeare, and I'd come up on something I knew darn good and well had something to do with the Protestant Reformation or some other religious thing, whatever I was teaching. I would holler out, Brother Tolson, come over here and teach me about that Protestant Reformation. <laughs> <laughs> and he would come in And what made it interesting Is he would talk always From the point of view of the character Of the people
0: Oh is that right?
2: Yeah it was the character of the people You know what was the character Of John like? What was the character of Paul like? You know what were these guys like as people? You know why would they get involved?
0: You know That would have been great to be able to sit down and talk to them And have those kind of
2: when he retired, I got to tell you, I, bear with me, students. When he retired, he had in later life gotten a real serious form of arthritis. Uh-uh. And, he, and it was just crippling him. And so he finally, I noticed that once he left his office and went to the parking lot, he didn't ever come back because it was too hard, climbing the stairs. Well, one day... He left the office and he came back and he appeared at my door. I'm thinking, what happened? Did he forget his keys or something? And I said, Brother Neil, I said, "Uh, what you doing, man? He said, Warden, I've decided to retire.
1: Oh, is that right?
2: Yeah. And I said, why is that, Brother Neil? Of course, he was up in the age. He says, well, I was going out to my car and here came one of my students who had missed class and he was walking toward me squinting with his hat on backwards. And he came up to me and, and, and said something to, you never say this to the teacher. Did I miss anything in class today?
0: I miss anything important. (laughs) You know, like, what do you think we did? You know, you missed 60 minutes of class.
2: Did I miss anything in class today? He said he looked at the student. He said, son, that hat has a bill on it for a reason. If you would turn around, turn it around and wear it the way it's supposed to be worn, you wouldn't have to squint at me. (laughs) And that was a deciding moment. How am I supposed to teach a guy like that?
1: It's a lost cause, huh?
2: How am I supposed to teach a guy like that? But right. anyway, they always thought they were going to take, oh, I mean, um, I've been to church, so I can pass that Bible class. No, you can't. No, you can't, brother. And, um, you know, it was, it was the toughest class there, really. In, in I the said that was. Yeah.
0: Uh, during the break, I pulled up the Wall Street Journal, and uh, it's got Trump in the courts. Yeah, let's That's hear that. that. Trump disqualifications, challenges, face, tests in two states. And I think this is something, you know, again, it's another wake up call when you you look at what the judges are trying to do with them on the gag orders, saying that you can't say that we got to put a gag on, order on because we don't know what he might say. I think that's very dangerous. And, and the same thing here is these five states are trying to disqualify Trump from being on their ballots. And again, if this isn't suppression of free uh, free will or free speech, um, they're, they're suppressing a candidate and they always accuse the Republicans of uh, suppression of the, of the minorities. Well, these states are suppressing, maybe not the majority in their state, but they're suppressing a large portion of the people that would vote for Trump if you were on the ballot. And that's how afraid these people are. And that's why we're I think we're in just the most dangerous time we've ever been in in our lifetime as a nation. And then you tie that in with the debt, China, the open borders and all these other things. And you've got a government that's off base like this. And I saw my orcas came out and said, over 600,000, um, first time catches that are free in the country. And they didn't show up for their, their dates, uh, their, 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 uh, uh, court dates. And truth be known, less than 2% ever show up for those court dates. And so this administration, with their left radical agenda, I mean, it's at the the administrative level uh, or the executive branch level. It's at the state levels with these states trying to prevent Trump from voting. And so they're really suppressing the American people on on free will and free choice. And uh, this is something that
1: has to be dealt with. You know, um, Europe, England in particular, I heard, thinks that we are Doomed because we
2: would dare to treat an ex president like this. Yeah. To try to gag an ex president on bogus charges on a sedition act aimed at the Confederates in the post Civil War. Right. Engaging in insurrection
1: and then leave open to interpretation a word like engaging. Right.
2: In the liberal courts with a bias, with uh, an objective. And the rest of the world is looking at this and saying, hey, go do what you want to do because ain't nobody in charge.
0: Pretty much. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what they're saying. Um, you know, and I, I got that firsthand from that uh, legislator over in Japan, um, he just sees us as a divided nation. And if we're a divided nation, we're not strong. And if we're not strong, everybody's in jeopardy. And I think you're seeing that go around the world. And this, again, is where I hope Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House, can bring enough composure, wit, and uh, collectivism in the mm-hmm. fact that they're going to bring people together to focus on the problems of the United States. And if he does this well, you know, you may see him run for president you know, the next go-around. Um, you know, keep in mind, he is third from the presidency right now. And, um, you know, he's a young young speaker, um, inexperienced in the speaker role, but not experienced in other roles that he's done in life. And I know the press came out and criticized him uh, for, I guess at one point he was the president of a law school. And they said, but the law school never happened. And so they're attacking him for having that on his resume somewhere. And um, he said, well, the law school never came to fruition. So I was um, hired for that position, but it never came to be. So I was never the, the you know, that person uh, or, or the dean of the law school, I guess it was. And so they're attacking him for something that didn't happen, but it was announced that he was going to be there. And they're just relentless. And they're doing the same thing with Trump. And if they're doing it with Trump, they can do it with anybody. And I think that's the thing that we need to take home. If they can treat Trump, as you brought out, uh, the president of the of the United States, which is always thought as the most powerful nation on earth, if the the media, the behind-the-scenes people, the deep state, whatever you want to call it, if they can do it to Trump, they can do it to anybody. And I think that's the message that they want to get out. Don't mess with us. You know, you look at the defendants in this... Um, Uh, All the stuff associated with Trump, the Rudy Giuliani's, the Steve Bannon's, uh, I think there is another one, you know, they are going financially broke because of the legal fees that they're uh, compounding, you know, trying to prove their innocence against the United States government. And it's hard to beat the federal government on these kind of charges. And I don't think it should be that way. Um, And so, you know, I think this is a wake up call that we've got to get this right in this next election. And uh, we need to start cleaning house. And I don't mean, you know, just start holding people accountable. The thing that they always talk about, we want accountability and uh, transparency, but we don't ever get. It's time that we start doing that. And uh, let's just hope that the Republicans can get their act together. They can do some great things between now and the next election cycle. And that the American voters will say, this is the group we want in charge.
2: Well, another person they're doing this too is Clarence Thomas. Sure. And they are after that. They can't
1: remove these judges, but they can smear. Oh, yeah. Dox them.
0: Yeah. Cancel. Do whatever yeah. they can. You know, and I thought it was interesting. I mean, they're doing it to Clarence Thomas. Go back. Well, just uh, this judge in the, in the Trump thing, they were saying how Trump was intimidating witnesses. Um, he was giving names out of people, and they just says you can't you can't um put somebody's name out there because it puts them in jeopardy. And so they want to attack Trump for doing that, but yet go back to Kavanaugh when the media and the press and members of Congress were giving his street address out, and so they put his whole family in jeopardy. But nobody, where's the press? It's like, well, it's free speech. Everybody can do that. And it's, a, again, it's that double standard that they are so good at doing. And, uh, you know, it's got to come to an end. It does. And the only way we're going to get to that is, again, go back to our, our, our principles and our uh, founding
1: uh, values, you know. You know, there's one more complaint I have about NATO. Yeah. If
2: I didn't have enough.
1: Yeah. Just one. Turkey. Yeah.
2: Turkey. Can you educate me a little bit? I don't know how in the world. I wasn't there when they put him in. I wasn't paying attention. I'll be honest. But that guy is not one of us. Okay.
1: President
0: Erdogan, that guy's a dictator. I mean, he's, you talk about rigged and fraud elections. I mean, his, he might as well be Putin. You know, keep in mind that um, they've been an ally of ours. I'm going to put quotation marks around that, um, but they they have sided with China and mainly Russia over us. And they are the ones that came out that if we supply these weapons against you know, to the Ukrainians to help fend off the Russians, that he's going to side with them. Well, you know, he already has, and I think they, there's talk that they need to throw Turkey out, but then, you know, who who's he go to? He's going to side with uh, China, Iran, and Russia. And so you've got another country that's got a very well-armed military, thanks to us and Russia, um, that, um, you know, is another potential adversary, somebody that we'd have to worry about more than we do now. And, you know, I remember when we were in Congress, we were trying to work with them. And um, there's two factions of the Kurds, and the ones that we helped fight in Afghanistan and Iraq, um, he deemed as a terrorist threat. turkey and so that's one of the main reasons he wouldn't um you know go along with us on that and he uh you know they had a coup that that they should have thrown him out but through military force and his heavy-handedness and control of the military he uh he got control of that and he silenced those people just like xi jinping is doing and just like putin has done and this is what dictators do and uh, they silence their uh any adversaries and they make them disappear, whether they kill them or put them in prison. I don't know. But uh, it's something that's done in these kind of countries. And we want to make sure that we don't do that and that we stick together with like-minded countries. And so Hurricane, he's not our friend in this, no.
2: Well, I'm afraid you're right. We're stuck with him, I think. Yep. And um, it's um, well, we're about out of time. We're at 58 here, Ted. Um, had a good conversation with you. Um, next week, Ted may or may not be available. He'll be en route to South Korea, right? South like Korea. South Korea. So we'll play it by ear. But he's always showed up. Uh, he's been in all kinds of places, and uh, and he's devoted to what we're devoted to here. It's trying uh, to get
0: uh, your patience. Get you sometimes with the venues, they don't always work well. And uh, yeah. I appreciate your patience and the opportunity to come on. And, you know, I I just believe in what you're doing. You know, you're trying to get this message out to people to get them engaged. And we get asked all the time, what can we do? Yeah. Challenge your representatives to do the right things. You know, get our debt under control. You know, get our border under control. I don't want another letter or another conference or another hearing. I want action. And I think that's what the American people do. And we can do that by holding these representatives accountable. And if they don't do what they say, throw them out.
2: Well, I can't say anything better than that. That should be the closing comment. (laughs) So uh, we'll make that a a goodbye today uh, and have a great week, Ted. You too, buddy. Take care, buddy. Ward Hall Command Center out.
1: Goodbye. (laughs)